welcome to True Crime 365. My name is B, and I am fully aware that I am maybe two months uh, late on this one. I am a uni student, which means I am perpetually stressed and overworked. And on top of that, I am also studying journalism, which means that even when I'm studying, I'm still writing. And uh, unfortunately, some things have to fall to the wayside. But I am on holidays now. I have some time to sit down and talk about some really gruesome shit. And uh, especially today, we're going to be doing the second installment of the Zodiac Killers series. So if you don't know what the Zodiac Killers series is, it's pretty much I am going through the entire Zodiac um, from Aries through to Pisces and covering serial killers who fall into those Zodiac signs. So Aries was the happy face killer and today we are doing Taurus, which is Martha Beck, also known as one half of the Lonely Hearts Killers. Now, in preparation for doing this, because uh, I did the blog post and that went up last week sometime, um, in doing this, I looked at the movie, uh, The Lonely Hearts Killers or Lonely Hearts and uh, I'm don't uh, don't watch that movie and think that it's in any way, shape, or form accurate. Um, down from its casting to its content, like needless to say that casting Selma Hayek as uh, Martha Beck was a generous uh, casting. It was just every it just was bad. So don't even bother watching it. Watch some documentaries or something about it. But before we get into uh, Martha Beck, I'm going to go through what it means to be a Taurus. So a Taurus is an earth sign. It's the second sign in the zodiac. Uh, the element, as I said, is earth. Their days are Friday and Monday, which is odd. Uh, they're ruled by Venus and they have great compatibility with Scorpios and Cancers. And if you're born between uh, April 20 and May 20, then you are a Taurus. Now, a Taurus is known uh, by its animal, which is the bull. And their strengths are that they're reliable, patient, practical, devoted, and responsible, uh, but they're stubborn, possessive, and uncompromising. Uh, Taurus, Taurus likes gardening, cooking, romance, music, high-quality clothes, and working with their hands. And Taurus dislikes sudden changes, insecurity of any kind, synthetic fabrics, which is odd, um, and complications. They're practical and well-grounded. And uh, Taurus is the sign that harvests the fruits of labor. They feel they always need to be surrounded by love and beauty, turn to the material world, Hinduism, and physical pleasures. People born with their sun in Taurus are sensual and tactile, considering touch and taste the most important of all senses. Stable and conservative, this is one of the most reliable zodiac signs uh, ready to endure and stick to their choices until they reach the point of personal satisfaction, which is you will you will see this with Martha Beck. That is uh, that is entirely true. So let's get into it. So just a warning uh, that this does contain very mild descriptions of rape and sexual assault, um, but they are still in there. So there's your trigger warning. <clears throat> So Martha Beck is interesting that she's not a lone killer. She's not a, um, you know, a solo act. She is in a partnership. And it, it is kind of debatable whether people who are 
fall into this category actually would have killed if it had not been for their uh, their partner in crime. So it's really hard to tell whether she's actually a, uh, a cold-blooded killer. Um, in my opinion, I would say that she is. Um, but she was an accomplice as well as a murderer to her partner, uh, Raymond Fernandez. And uh, they were a deadly duo. They were known as the Lonely Hearts killers. So Lonely Heart is like a ad in a newspaper that was really popular, I think around like 30s, 40s, I don't know, like old, a bit old now. Um, and that was, they were really popular for people who were single or widows. Um, and they would put a, like put a note in the paper and be like, hey, I'm single, like I'm looking for a new husband or wife or whatever. And people would call the number or they would write letters to this person and they would correspond, you know, um, after seeing this ad in the newspaper. And it became kind of like a hotbed for uh, scammers and um, people trying to take advantage of lonely women. And uh, that's where this falls in. So a little background on Martha. So she was born Martha Jewel Seabrook in Milton, Florida in the United States on May 6, 1920. Uh, a childhood wasn't great to say the least. Uh, she was overweight due, due to a glandular problem, which is like a common diagnosis for, um, obesity during the time. And because of that glandular problem, which probably could be thyroid, I'm not sure, but, um, she went through puberty like hella early. So she was like, I think she was like 10 years old and she was, overweight and she had like the body of like a full-grown woman the sex drive of a full-grown woman um but she was still quite a frumpy looking girl and that's why I say that Selma Hayek is extremely generous in the casting because if you look at the photos of this woman she does not look like that at all maybe the dark hair that's about it so um when she was I think she was like 10 or she was, she was, you know, pretty young. She claimed that her brother had raped her and her mother said that it was her fault. And then she beat her up. So it was, you know, it's not a great supportive family. I would say not, you know, not in your top 10. Um, but yeah, she was, she was controlling. Um, this is, uh, Martha's mother. Her name was Julia Seabrook. And she was controlling, domineering. She ridiculed Martha for her weight. Um, you know, she would follow Martha around, throwing insults at any boy who tried to get close to her daughter. Uh, despite running away as a teen, Martha graduated high school and went on to study nursing. Unfortunately, she was still overweight and therefore struggled to find a job because this is the 1930s. Um, and... It was, sorry, uh, so she eventually found a job as a mortician's assistant, which is pretty grim, um, but she really enjoyed it because it was her job to uh, get the female bodies ready for funerals um, or cremation or whatever that the funeral was uh, doing, and she she was really lonely, like she was a very lonely person. I would probably say that she probably had borderline personality disorder. Um, I've read a few articles that have claimed to that, but she had this real fear of like abandonment. Um, and so she really liked these bodies because they didn't judge her. They weren't there to run away from her. They would just, you know, she would care for them and, and they would listen to her problems. She really found like a happiness in the bodies. 
And because um, they couldn't question her, they couldn't criticize what she was doing or what she looked like. You know, they were just there. So eventually she scored a job at a hospital, like an army hospital. Um, so she left the job with the, you know, left the corpses. Um, and she worked at the hospital in the daytime. And then at nighttime, she would go to um, bars and try and scope out the local military. Um, you know, she would frequent the bars looking for looking for soldiers to pick up and take home. And uh, after one encounter, she fell pregnant. But unfortunately for Martha, this bloke was not too keen on sticking around um, (laughs) because he really only wanted her for sex. And when Martha told him that she was pregnant, he attempted to kill himself by throwing himself into the bay, which, you know, is not really a nice way to break up with someone, but, uh, you know, it, it it does the job. Um, but as you can imagine, Martha was a bit upset about having someone rather kill themselves than be with her. Uh, so she returned to Florida, deeply upset and alone. Soon after returning to Milton, Martha knew she had to explain the pregnancy somehow. So she took herself ring shopping and bought herself a wedding ring. Um, she said that she had fell in love and married a Navy man and he was off on service and um, she, you know, she would walk around town being all proud about being a Navy wife. And uh, you might think that her secret would be found out once no husband had returned from war, but she found a way. Because, you know, if if I can say one thing about Martha Beck, that's, um, you know, she finds a way. She's very, as a Taurus, you know, she's very hardworking. <laughs> um, so she organized a telegraph to herself to inform her that her imaginary husband had died. Um, and she even made the paper because they were mourning her so much. They were, oh, poor Martha's husband died. And, uh, yeah, she soaked up that attention like there was no tomorrow. She, you know, the town was really heartbroken for her. Um, but after the birth of her daughter, Martha fell pregnant again by a guy named Alfred Beck. Uh, he was a Pensacola bus driver um, who married Martha soon after she fell pregnant, but the marriage was short-lived. Just six months after they wed, they divorced, and uh, Martha then gave birth to her son. In 1946, Martha found a job at Pensacola Children's Hospital, but she was still super depressed and lonely, and she was the single mother of uh, two children at this stage. So, you know, it's especially in the 19, um, 1940s, it's not exactly a good look. Uh, everyone was really judgmental of the fact that, you know, she'd been divorced, and they were upset that her, you know, imaginary husband had died. But you know, it was not a good thing for her. And she really was being a Taurus as well. You know, they love romance and they love fine things. And she uh, just got really immersed in like romantic novels and movies. And she had this like fantasy world in her head about, you know, a knight in shining armor that kind of like Fabio style, like bloke would come along and just like sweep her off her feet. Um, But she was like obsessed with finding love. And in 1946, she placed an ad in the lo- uh, Lonely Hearts section of her local paper and she got her, got her correspondence from a gentleman named Raymond Fernandez. So I'm going to go really briefly into uh, Raymond Fernandez because this podcast is about Martha. It is not about Raymond. So we're just going to go 
zoom through him. Uh, he was born to Spanish parents in Hawaii on December 17, 1914, um, but they soon moved to Connecticut in the US. Uh, as an adult, he moved to Spain, married, had four children, and then abandoned them all. So he's a good guy, um, but I'm pretty sure his wife would have felt that bullet that she dodged in her shoulder. He suffered a head injury, which is common of a lot of killers, from a uh, fall from a steel hatch falling whilst on a ship to America. The hatch fractured his skull and damaged his frontal lobe. So the frontal lobe is like the part of the brain that controls personality. Um, and so teenagers have like an undeveloped frontal lobe, um, like young people do. So if anything happens to the frontal lobe, um, it really affects you as a person, um, whether you're, you know, a kid or an adult or whatever, but that is the part that controls your, your emotions. That part of you that is, um, yeah, is you. Uh, he, once he was released from the hospital, he stole some clothes and was arrested. And when he was in jail, his, his cellmate, who I would probably get along with really well, introduced him to black magic and voodoo, which has, very little to do with the rest of the story, but it's an interesting uh, interesting thing. He then moved to New York City where he took up answering Lonely Hearts ads in the papers with the goal of conning women and stealing their belongings. So, in 1946, back in Milton, uh, Fernandez began visiting Martha, most likely with the intent to steal from her, but Martha's loneliness led her to begin telling people they were going to be married um, it also led her to accepting any form of affection he gave her. And apparently she reached sexual fulfillment, quote unquote, for the first time with him. So, you know, it's not all bad. She had a good time. Fernandez frequently traveled with, um, sorry, frequently traveled from New York to Florida, learning more and more about Martha. But the main thing that he learned about her was her desperate loneliness made her very, very willing to please him. She didn't want to let him go. Um, she was very much, he is mine and I am his. That's it. Um, she was fired from her job for some reason and she gathered her things in Milton and left. She rocked up at Fernandez's door um, and he was like, okay, you can come in, I guess. Like he, his idea was kind of just wanting to con her out of her money. Um, but he kind of found, saw something in her that was a bit like, okay, she's willing to do anything for me. So what can I do here? Um, he tells Martha about all of his criminal enterprises. She was 100% on board. She was like, cool, that's all right. I can join in. And so she abandons her children, giving them to a salvation, the salvation army so that she can be free to help him out. Which, you know, that's <laughs> real good, real good spirit. Um, she saw it as her duty to like help him and take care of him. Um, you know, she was all in and there was no backing out. She was very much like head first, right into it. Let's do this, which is, um, you know, very much a Taurus thing, but also very much a borderline thing. Um, and you know, if when you've got this crazy low self-esteem, you're willing to do anything for anyone. So, you know, he saw his chance and took it. 
Um, after Martha and Fernandez searched through the Lonely Hearts looking for their next victim. Oh. Yeah. Looking for the next victim. Okay, I jumped ahead then. Um, one Miss Esther Hen, I don't know if it's Henny or Hen, which is H-E-N-N-E, um, from Southern Pennsylvania. They found her, and then on the 28th of February, uh, Esther and Fernandez were married at the clerk, <laughs> the county clerk's office in Fairfax, Virginia, after a less than a week of knowing each other. And Martha posed as Fernandez's sister um, or sister-in-law, depending on which article you read. I think it's sister. The three then returned to an apartment on West 139th Street and Fernandez soon began pressuring his bride to sign over her insurances and teacher's pension to him. And by pressuring, I mean he was extremely aggressive um, and he became really agitated with the fact that she wouldn't sign these things over. Within a few weeks, the uh, Mrs. Esther Fernandez fled the marriage, but he'd already taken her car and a shit ton of her money. But she got out alive, so that's a win for uh, Esther. So on the 14th of August, 1948, Fernandez married again. This time, Martha definitely posed as his sister. The articles have corresponded that one. Um, the blushing bride was Miss Myrtle Young of Green Forest, Arkansas, which is spelled Arkansas, and I'm still so confused with American spelling. But anyway... So Martha was sure to avoid the new couple um, consummating their marriage. She was hell-bent on making sure that they didn't have sex um, because she wanted him and she didn't want to share, but she was happy to share to get money. I don't know. Um, so after a few days, Myrtle got like really sick of um, Martha because Martha was sleeping in the same bed as them and trying to like, you know, avoid this happening. Um, and... So Myrtle was, you know, she expressed her being upset about not being able to bang her new husband. So she threw like a bit of a fit and uh, Fernandez was having none of it. So (laughs) it got a bit bad. Um, He and Martha overdosed Myrtle with a heavy cocktail of drugs, picked her up, put her on a bus to Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, and the police actually dragged her off the bus but not before Fernandez and Martha had robbed her of $4,000. The heavily drugged Myrtle Young died in hospital the next day. So now we're going to get into the murders. You can say that Myrtle Young was a murder from or by the Lonely Hearts Killers, but it wasn't intentional. It was more of a get her out of our hair kind of thing. Um, So these are the actual murders. 1949, Myrtle Young may have died indirectly at the hands of Martha Beck and Raymond Fernandez, but it was the next major target, Janet Fay, who would be the first to fall victim to murderous rage. Janet Fay was a 66-year-old widow who placed an ad in the Lonely Hearts section of her local paper, and after a short correspondence between Fay and Fernandez, both Fernandez and Martha visited the widow at her home. They arrived with a bouquet of flowers and Martha posed as Fernandez's sister. Um, They spent the day strolling through Albany, speaking of religious matters and getting to know one another. Soon came the proposal, which Faye readily accepted. 
And uh, Fernandez convinced his bride-to-be to leave Albany in favour of Long Island, where Martha had already organised a rented apartment for the three of them to move in. But the newlyweds were uh, too much for Martha to bear. One day, <laughs> Martha walks into the bedroom and they're naked in bed together. And so for a normal married couple, that makes sense. But Martha pretty much, she saw that Faye was naked in the um, bed with her arm around Fernandez and she claims that she didn't know what happened after this because she quote-unquote blacked out, but she flew into like a jealous rage, grabs a hammer and bludgeons Janet Faye to death. Um, Martha and Fernandez then cleaned up the mess, wrapped Faye in sheets and towels and placed her body in the closet. They went to sleep after that. They just kind of went, okay, bedtime, and just left her body in the closet. They then, when they woke up after their, uh, you know, the little cat nap, uh, they put the body in a trunk or like a big, like suitcase thing. I don't know, like a storage, the big leather storage thing. Um, and stored it at Fernandez's sister's house. Then a couple days later, they collected the trunk again, buried it in a cellar of a rented home. Then they cashed in all of Janet Faye's checks, wrote typewriter letters to all of her family, exclaiming that Janet had, was having the time of her life and was due to be married to a new man. And she was, you know, she was so super duper chipper about everything um, and signed it Janet Faye. But Janet didn't own a typewriter she couldn't even type. And so when her family received these letters, they contacted the authorities immediately. Then <laughs> the next victim was Delphine Downing, and she was a 41-year-old widow with a two-year-old daughter named Raynell. Downing had been corresponding with Fernandez for a few weeks. So after the murder of Janet Faith, uh, Martha and Fernandez made a beeline for the Grand Rapids of Michigan. Downing was charmed by Fernandez, who she knew as Charles Martin. And Fernandez like frequently went by Charles Martin uh, throughout this Lonely Hearts experience. And she believed... Downing believed that she had found the perfect man for her. She was very charmed by this man. Not long after arriving, Fernandez began having sexual relations with Downing and this enraged Martha. She was losing her shit. The fantasy for Downing was uh, soon coming to an end after she saw her new lover in the bathroom without his toupee, sporting a large scar on his head. Downing became upset, claiming that he had deceived her and her anger was building. She started accusing Fernandez of fraud. She was screaming. She was upset. You know, she'd just seen her new future husband, like, bald in her, in her bathroom, just, like, not looking like the guy that he was supposed to be, and she immediately knew something was up. So, uh, da, 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 where am I up to? She So then Fernandez managed to convince Downing to take some sleeping pills to calm herself down. And at the side of, uh, side of Downing acting strange and falling asleep, her two-year-old daughter, Raynell, started to cry. And the cries infuriated Martha, who uh, grabbed Raynell by the throat and choked her unconscious. And it left, like, bruises around her neck. And so when 
the couple became like really worried that when Downing actually woke up from her, you know, drug induced sleep, that she would see the bruises that were left on her two year old's neck. So they were like, shit, what are we going to do? And Fernandez was like, I'm going to shoot her. And so he took Downing's dead husband's gun, held it to her head and fired once into her skull. Raynell witnessed the murder. She was awake, like she'd waken, waken up from her, um, from being knocked out to see her mother get shot in the head. So then Martha and Fernandez uh, wrapped the body in sheets, carried it down to the basement of Downing's own home, dug a hole in the cellar and buried her under cement. And then Martha cleaned up the crime scene and they decided that they were going to stay in Downing's house until they figured out their next move, which is never a good idea. But anyway, moving on, um, they sold all of uh, Downing's valuables and cashed in all of her checks. But obviously they still had Raynell and she was distraught. She was crying endlessly, screaming. She'd seen her mother get killed. Like she was traumatized and she's two years old. So she's got no idea what's happening. And after two days in the house, they came to, uh, they had to come to a decision of what was going to happen with the toddler. And Fernandez kind of was like, you know what we have to do. And Martha was like, oh, no, what do we have to do? And he's like, kill her. And so Martha apparently was really against this, but she was the one that held two-year-old Raynell's head underwater until she stopped moving. Um, And then Fernandez dug a much smaller grave next to Delphine Downing in the basement and, um, you know, they buried uh, the two-year-old girl next to her mum. But these guys are fucking idiots. So the couple decided to not leave town straight away. Instead, they treated themselves to a date at the movies. Um, then they returned to Downing's home to retrieve their things. As they were packing up, someone knocks on the door. Oh, who is it? Who's at the door, honey? I'll go get it. It's the police. Because the neighbours had grown suspicious and called them. So that was the end for those two. Raymond Fernandez and Martha Beck were arrested for murder on March 1, 1949. The two confessed to all of their crimes in a 73-page confession, which no doubt would have been boring as fuck to read. It was believed that the Lonely Hearts killers had committed 17 different murders, but both Martha Beck and Raymond Fernandez denied this because it's very likely that people were doing this anyway, that people were trying to scam women, you know, lonely women out of the paper um, and, you know, trying to scam them for all they had, widows whose husbands had left lots of money and, and belongings behind. It is very likely that a lot of women were killed because of these Lonely Hearts ads. So it is fair to um, try and pin those on Beck and Fernandez, but they only really know about the three slash four with Myrtle Young. Um, So they denied that and they were both under the impression that they would only be tried in Michigan. So they were really um, cooperative because Michigan at the time didn't have the death penalty. So they would like, they confessed everything that had happened Um, And they were told that they weren't going to be extradited to New York uh, if they, you know, told everything that happened. 
That was a lie. The prosecutors decided to waive the um, charges of Downing's murder so that they could pursue the charges in New York for Janet Faye's murder, which means that if they were found guilty, Martha and Raymond Fernandez would have uh, would have met the chair. And on March 8, 1951, both Martha Beck and Raymond Fernandez were executed by electric chair. Neither faltered in their love for one another in their final moments. It's actually kind of sickening. Um, and their last official words were, Raymond, <clears throat> I want to shout it out. I love Martha. What do the public know about love? And then he fried. And Martha Beck's is actually kind of more sickening. My story is a love story, but only those tortured by love can know what I mean. I'm not unfeeling, stupid or moronic. Debatable. I'm a woman who had a great love and always will have it. Imprisonment in the death house has only strengthened my feelings for Raymond. And that is the story of the Lonely Hearts Killers. But more so the story of our Taurus serial killer, one Miss Martha Beck. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of True Crime 365. Next time we are covering Gemini, which is um, the most interesting of all the uh, zodiac signs. The one that gets attacked the most um, on social media, but Thank you again so much for listening. I am super sorry about the long wait. I'm trying to get on top of everything. I'm also working on some other stuff at the moment, but that will be revealed in the future. Um, leaning more into, you know, my other interests and the other things that I love making people feel really alienated about. So thank you so much. Please follow True Crime 365 on Instagram and on Twitter at True Crime 365. Um, and also check out the blog that has a lot more content. Um, so yeah, thank you again. Mm-hmm.